You're listening to the Underscore Transformation podcast, your practical guide to business transformation. To find out more, visit underscore-group.com. Welcome to the Underscore Transformation podcast. My name's Jason West. And my name's Joe Ailes. And together we're the founders of Underscore. This is season two and episode one. This week we're talking about resourcing your program team. So the first thing to say is congratulations. You've got your business case through approval. Your exec team are all fully supportive of your plan. Your process owners are all bought into the high-level solution design that you figured out during the scoping phase. You've got your new operating model agreed and people have started to ask what this transformation program is all about. Before you start rushing off and building and designing things, it's worth taking a moment to consider the personal risk that an exec sponsor takes when they step up and tell the board that they need several million dollars to invest in transforming their function. Now, you would assume that securing the best possible team to work on the transformation would be kind of the top of their to-do list. But frankly, on too many occasions, we see that resourcing the program team is actually really rushed through um, and it, it kind of gets um, compressed between this time of the, the program getting approved and budget put in place and, and the kickoff happening. And really, just the, there's just not enough time, effort and thought put into it. So that's why we really focus on this as the very first point on the mm. checklist is get the right team around you. Mm. Um, but let's just think about, okay, what are the practical steps that we can take to, to kind of reduce the risk around making the wrong resourcing decisions on, on a program? You're right, Jason. Um, we, having to build the the right res, the right um, team is really really important, really really key, um, with the right skills and, and capabilities. Um, one of the things we we we, we talk about um, in projects that we're involved with uh, in is having the right balance between um, internal resources that are seconded onto the project um, and bringing in external um, subject matter expertise in areas that the organization doesn't have experience in. This is yeah. th- this is new ground um, typically for an awful lot of org- organizations and building that, that team that has both internal resources that are going to take ownership and accountability of whatever is designed longer term yeah. with subject matter expertise of people that have been there, done it, it is, is, is important. And having that mix is really, really key. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Getting that right balance between in internal staff and external uh, contractors, perhaps mm. individuals, is is really important. Uh, it's not just the contractors, obviously. You've got potentially a management consultancy involved. You've got a right. system implementation partner. You might have um, the te- you know technology vendors mm. staff involved, and and maybe uh, external kind of client side mm. advisors. Mm. Um, so and each of them offer different, and you have to be clear about. What the, what's the purpose for each of those um, components? I guess of your of, of of your program team, you have to be. It's got to be clarity, and yeah, and roles and responsibilities and um, and accountability, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, so yeah. there is no um, ambiguity. Yes. as to who's responsible for making decisions. Yeah, and we're going to go into more yeah. detail on that when we get to the kind of supplier management mm. piece, kind of the, the difference between 
the role of mm. management consultants, of system implementation partners, and client side advisors yes, are right. different yeah. and uh, you know complementary in certain circumstances. Mm. Um, but I think that the first point is to really be be clear with people about this is your program role. So actually documenting what are they accountable for, what are they responsible for, what are the types of skills and competencies that they're likely going to need in this new program role, and and actually giving that to people. Um, in a lot of programs that that we've worked on in the past, mm. and you know we we've been guilty of this. Mm. We we haven't always done it, um, mm. and and it does lead to to some real challenges. Um, but the, I think the other piece to think about is. As you're kind of deciding which roles should be filled by somebody, you know, on the mm. on the payroll that's seconded onto the program versus filled by a, an external of one sort or another, mm. um, that there's there's a couple of lenses to look at that through. I think there's the what you know what is the enduring capability we need. Mm. Um, in, in you know, for for these types of resources, uh, and who's best placed to make decisions? Yeah. So if we think about those those two things, what are the key roles that really should be fulfilled by a permanent member of your team, somebody on your payroll within mm. a program? Yeah, I think um, the owner of of the change, the individual that the exec. Um, that has gained the, uh, the the business case approval, the individual the individual that is delegated that responsibility of making sure that the change happens, that has to be an internal person. Yeah, yeah. So it's the the person, the executive sponsor, makes is is, is saying, okay, you are accountable to me for delivering yeah. this change. That that, that, that has to be a that has person. to be an inter- a, a permanent yeah. person because yeah. that person is is um, is ultimately the face of of the program. Program managers, program directors should be resourced um, externally because yep. you're you're ultimately going to to re- acquire skills and and capabilities uh, that don't exist in your organisation today because you know you're doing you're implementing something new so you you want to you should go out and and um, equip yourself with an individual that's been there done it that's got experience of running the, these these programs yeah. um, technical roles that you wouldn't. Um, uh, expect to have the capability internally, um, systems architects, maybe integration specialists, maybe data specialists, people that have, have been involved with that specific technology in the past. Yeah, um, so business analysts, yeah. functional functional consultants. Fun, fun, functional consultants on a technology side, absolutely. I think those, those individuals... Um, uh, maybe you could uh, acquire uh, externally, but then make sure that they don't work in isolation. You have to have on a client side somebody that almost partners with them so that that knowledge is retained within the organization way beyond the uh, these individuals um, you know, exiting uh, on completion of the project. Yes, yeah, and it's also important that the, the people making the, the design decisions are your staff. Absolutely. Process owners. Yes. The process owners always are internal um, individuals. Yeah. The, the functional the functional heads, if they've been seconded full-time onto the project. Yes. Um, or who's, whoever the, those functional heads have delegated that responsibility to. Similar, similarly to uh, the exec delegating the responsibility to a, to a program lead. Yes. Um, the functional heads should also delegate the responsibility of their the, 
the, the functional the design of their function to somebody within their team. Yes, yeah. Um, Assuming they've not been seconded onto the program themselves. Time yeah, themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it has to be an internal internal resource without question. And then, of course, being supported by individuals with expertise in making you know facilitating design um, workshops and yeah. design sessions, and you know the business analysts that you talked about, because an awful lot of in, in, in an awful lot of cases, these individuals are operational individuals. They don't. Mm. They they might have optimized the process before. Um, they might have done a little bit of continuous improvement on elements of their uh, uh, of their function, but probably have not re-engineered or redesigned the function in its entirety. And when I talk about we're not we're not talking just about process here or system. We're talking about maybe operating model, role, roles, responsibilities, yeah. um, system integration, data, yeah, there's, policies, an awful, policy, yeah. there's an awful lot to, to consider and it's unfair to expect functional operational people to have that um, expertise from the get-go. Yeah. Whoever's, you know, if you're going in this, in this on a transformation journey, you've got to think about how am I going to provide the skills and capabilities the um, process owners need um, to make the right design decisions in a timely manner and actually just think differently about this is not optimizing operation. This is probably designing something fundamentally different to what yes. we have today. Yeah. So, and then there's, a, the, you know, we've identified something. Like, I think we've identified 37 roles, yes. haven't we? Yeah, we have. Um, <laughs> in, in our, in our capability, capability matrix, in our resource matrix that are that, of, of individuals, roles that were that are required to execute this transformation, this change. Um, at different phases of the project, etc. Um, yeah, not all of those are full time. So if, yeah, if, yeah. if you're but sat there as a mid size organization yeah. going, 37 people? No, yeah, no there's 37, 37 roles. 37 roles. They're um, uh, required to execute the change well. Um, and these roles require capability and skill set. And they've got a, a set of prerequisites. Yeah. Please equip internal teams with. The skill sets that we describe in our in our capability matrix. Yeah, and and being clear, um, as we said, which ones really must be internal. Mm. Um, and I think the one that we we haven't talked about is the design authority because yeah. you know sponsor. Yeah, absolutely needs to be internal transformation need. Yeah, process owners definitely. But I think the design authority that kind of sits above the the process owners. I think it's really important that that. Individual that's fulfilling that role is is uh, you know on the payroll, and they're yeah. they're going to have to own these design decisions. Yeah, it's ultimately the, that ops. program lead, isn't it? The, the, the individual who uh, who is delegated that responsibility from from the sponsor, that individual ultimately heads up that design authority. It's on on their head, be it um, that all the design decisions are, are done in the best interests of of the business and they're fit for purpose. Yeah, they can, however, be complemented by somebody that's held not, not held but facilitated these design uh, authority meetings and and understands the processes that the organization needs to go through in terms of the it's the the re, the iteration of the various design um especially in cloud technology for instance mm. you have iterations of design so you're making a set of decisions in, in, in the design authority today um that actually once you hit the ground running in operations and you realize that actually, do you know what, in hindsight, we shouldn't have made that decision because that happens. It's a reality. Yeah. You know, no, nothing is perfect from day one. 
So you make you know, a set of design decisions with the data you have in front of you, um, but the those individuals making that those design decisions, that functional lead, I, that, I, call, I, call, I call it the, like the program lead, hasn't done it before. Yeah. So actually being complemented with somebody that's been there, done it, i.e. a program director or a program manager that's yes. sitting alongside that, that that program lead is 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 important yeah and likewise it could be a, a functional architect you might pair them up with um yeah, potentially that's, um, that's true, yeah. uh or or that's kind of where you might might bring in a client-side advisor that, mm. that's specifically only going to work on those design decisions and yeah. and bring bringing in that best practice from outside rather than being full-time on the program the in a program management or a program yeah. direction role <laughs> Um, but I think the other thing that's important is where where you have paired up, um, it's really key that the person that's providing that external advisory has held a senior operational role within the function you're transforming, because they you know it's all very well having you know sort of uh, uh, you know, somebody that's got a, a wealth of consultancy experience or mm. project experience if, if they've never really had to live with the design decisions that they've made in operation and, and the mm. pain that, that 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 can bring uh they're really missing a vital element of mm. um of insight into what the the optimal decision might be um mm. but we do see this as an area where um for a lot of clients um and it, it, it's kind of very individual by individual they're unsure about making these decisions they lack mm. the confidence or, or or just the knowledge and capability mm. and they look to other people within the program to make decisions on their behalf mm. and, and often that will be well leaning on management consultants or leaning on system implementation partners who mm. you know, a system implementation partner is there to configure the system based on what your you tell them <laughs> your, your specification yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they're right. not there to make recommendations they'll, they'll give you options yeah but ultimately, it's your decision as the client to make mm. those calls. Um, and you know, in certain circumstances, um, where people have been over, overly reliant on on these third parties, it can really store up problems in the future. Mm. And if you think about the sorts of challenges that it brings, yeah, that's right. I mean, operationally, the, you know, if you're if you're sub, you know, if you're outsourcing um, a design decision to somebody that um, that doesn't is not is, is not going to live with um you know the operational impacts of those design decisions uh, you're you're asking for for trouble really um yeah. you know, having an individual that has um corporate knowledge um and again you know it's, it's really really important so I, I'm, you're asking an individual that doesn't have any corporate knowledge to make a set of design decisions in that organization's not not right yeah um, again, I would go against if you're bringing somebody um, onto, if you're hiring somebody from outside onto the pro, to become a program lead, um, that's that's okay, but then that program lead is going to have to lean on an awful lot of internal resources to 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 just figure out, okay, is that is does that make sense? Is that fit for purpose? Am I, are we making the right calls here? Yeah, uh, appointing a program lead with a little bit of corporate knowledge is is probably even you know, more important, more valuable, longer term. Um, but outsourcing it to a third party is 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 really um, risky. Yes, yeah. So first first problem is you make the wrong design decision. 
Mm. And that, that's one issue. Uh, but you tend to only find that out once you've gone live. And, and, and that individual won't be, won't and be around. Yeah. So, so yeah. what are your options then? Well, you either pay them to come back yeah. to fix the problem that they mm. inadvertently created, um, or you've got to work through the problem from first principles mm. with your operational team who are under pressure because whatever's been designed yeah. isn't working properly. Yeah. And... If you hadn't, un if you haven't undergone that kind of transfer of knowledge and skills and capability to diagnose problems, to mm. design solutions, to test them, to manage that change and the project that potentially has to go around mm. that, well, then they're going to have to figure all of that out from first principles whilst being, you know, under pressure to deliver yeah. operationally. So generally, it doesn't happen. No. And then you're into creating local workarounds. Yeah, yeah. And then this new way of working, this fancy new operating model, this wonderful, you know, shared services that you've built or or new mm. technology you've implemented. It's great. It just yeah. you know, there's people finding all sorts of ways to work around it. Or, or the other thing is, you just have to live with it. Yeah. You just have a suboptimal outcome. You you don't quite deliver your business mm. case and. You know, one of the biggest um, kind of modes of failure of mm. transformation is around failure to deliver the benefits. Mm. You know, you can generally force a program to deliver on time or deliver to a budget. But yeah. it's the outcome that it, it's, it's, it's the sustainability of it beyond beyond the go live. And yeah. um, and this is this in this phase actually in in in, in this phase of, of a program, um, people. Sometimes programs or organizations lose sight, actually, of, of what it is that you're trying to achieve yeah. when you signed off the business case. And throughout the life of the program, absolutely, some, some decisions that, are, that go fundamentally against the, the original reasons for investment are made. Yeah. Um, and to, 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 your, to, to, to your point, which is to drive that outcome of, our, we need to go live on this date, uh, and we're running out of cash or we're, we're constrained by budget. Change doesn't happen until change happens, right? So this is, they go live is just day one yes. uh, of the transformation. You have this massive engine of lots and lots of resource and lots and lots of activity go, you know, taking place in this phase of the program to produce something that is not yet real. So it's only real on day one. And guess what? On day one, an awful lot of that capability walks out of the door. Yes. So if you don't have a sustainable operating model, and we're going to talk about operating model in in the future in our next episode, um, if we don't talk about if we don't have that sustainable capability to to actually embed that change and and remember the design principles and the rationale for the business case in the first place, that you know to, to your point, oh we we. we the intention was to create a shared service, but now we've gone live when we don't have a shared service. Why is that? Yes, yeah. Um, and one of the other things we talked about, actually, which is a continuation between scoping and uh, implementing. We've, we've been formally handed off into this phase, a business case, a transformation program, a set of strategic objectives, right? You, you shall deliver X. Mm. Um, and there is an element of risk if the person that's delivering the change is not involved in the scoping. Yes. Right? So we've come across that before where there's a handoff and the, the, indiv the individual, the team that's created the business case is no longer around. Yeah. And now they've been, the, the baton has been handed to an implementation team. 
that doesn't have perhaps the same insights, the same drivers or the same rationale or the same reasons, whatever, that were created in our, in our, in our business case and lose sight of it. Yes, yeah. And then the, what you go live, you go live with something that's fundamentally different to what you've committed to in a business case. Yes, yeah. You're listening to the Underscore Transformation Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Underscore, the transformation capability specialists. To find out more, visit underscore-group.com. Having a program lead involved from day one in scoping through to implementation and, Absolutely. and, and into warranty and sustaining it is, is really, really important. Yeah, yeah. Um, Wherever possible, you, you, you really want to do, <laughs> to do it. I mean, for, sometimes it's not possible because, you know, casting changes, etc. you know, mm. the inevitable happens, right? So you can't, things like that do happen. There's changes of sponsorship, there's, you know, execs change roles. Yeah. We, and we talked about, about that in our previous season. Yes. So, so you know, not, don't plan for it, but be prepared yeah. um, for, for changes in structure, change, because these programs uh, take a long time. Yeah. There's ultimately changes in casting and changing of, of, of individuals in the organization. But having that continuity is, makes your program more likely to succeed. Yes, yeah. Um, the, other, the other role, actually, is change management. Mm. Um, yeah. So um, again, what's interesting is there's an awful there's 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 an absolute vast sort of skill set out there um, of change management specialists. But what I see, um, what what I've seen in organisations is don't don't expect those individuals to come in and change your business. That's not what they're there to do. Is they're it? to do. That's right. They're, that's not their purpose. Yeah. Their purpose is to come in to an organisation and equip the organisation with the technique, the techniques and the methods to execute change. Yeah. What's the toolkit? What's that going to look like? And, and to help you create the plan. But the people that, the individuals that are driving the change are the functional leads, are the process owners, yeah. are those change champions that you're going to appoint internally, are those... It's every line manager exec, in exec, the business. Every yeah. line manager in the business. Every employee. Um, yeah. Every individual, because you might you might be asking individuals to to now do self-service and, and maintain th- data themselves that they wouldn't have done before. Um, so, so yeah, don't don't bring a change specialist in to embed the change because yeah. that's that's not what their that's not their purpose. Yes, and to your point on on you know the the very real fact mm. that go live is day one. It's it's mm. not day 408 of, yeah. of a program the the program's just the being pregnant bit <laughs> the baby yes. arrives on go live yes. uh, and it's that point that the, the work really starts yeah. Um, yeah. i think the 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 key point is is that on that day one where you you've got your new baby yeah um there, there's certain certain capabilities that you need as a human being and, and as an organization um yeah. you know if if as an organization you you don't know how to support this thing mm. you know, if you've got if you've implemented new technology and you don't have people in your organization that really know how it works how it's put together how it's designed uh, how it's configured and they don't and they don't have those skills to change the configuration you're going to really mm. struggle um, because business requirements change. Mm. Um, you find out a huge amount in those first few weeks after go live, just really what the real requirements mm. are and where where the design decision problems are. So you need the ability to 
to change things. Mm. So that requires a number of things. You need people with technical capability to make changes to a system, but you also need um, accountable people in those uh, senior functional roles and uh, effectively mm. process owners who know how to diagnose problems, who know how to design yeah. and, and know how to speak the language of the technical team to make that translation between we've seen this problem in the business, here's what the functional impact is, mm. okay, technical team, this is what I need you to do. Yeah. Uh, and and those teams need to work together effectively yeah. and they need to find ways of speaking the same language. Um, but to your point on change management, in a lot of cases you actually need an enduring change management capability. Yeah. Because day one. day one is just day one. Yeah. Um, you know, things are going to change and you probably need project management and change management capability. And depending on how big the transformation is, you might actually need an enduring program management capability for a good few years. Mm. So it's definitely worth thinking about when you're resourcing your program, What what's the that day one requirement? Mm. What's the day... 90 requirement the yeah. 365 requirement yeah how far out do we need mm. to think um and, and the reality is quite quite some way you mm. know when you're resourcing your program think two years three years down the line about mm. what are those key roles that key capability we need in-house to be successful in the long term mm. um and just coming back to our our capability matrix you know that's where where we started on mm. on on trying to fix this stuff mm. because you know we we've seen a lot of programs get into to trouble where they've just they've got the wrong people doing mm. the wrong roles yeah yeah um and they you know they've got suppliers fulfilling roles that really must be should be fulfilled by by permanent staff and those permanent staff that are, that are on the program in fact a lot of people that are on the program mm. really aren't sure about what their roles are mm. and how they fit together um which you know is a real challenge when you consider that you've got multiple organizations or people from multiple organizations working together to deliver this really complex change and they've got their own commercial drivers mm. um they're not clear about how my role works with your role. Uh, and it's kind of not surprising that a, a lot of the the challenges around this are, are kind of people related. Mm. Um, so really spending the time properly documenting those role, role profiles is is really key. Yeah. Um, and the reality is in a lot of programs, it does not happen. Ah. You know, we we see it a lot in the the resourcing side, um, the the, you know, the the resourcing business that we we, mm. we run, is a, a lot of programs will just call up and say, okay, I need a business analyst. Mm. Uh, they need to have a experience of Oracle ERP cloud, and it's a project for six months, and I want to pay seven hundred pounds a day. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's the total extent of the requirement. That's right. Uh, there's no description of any sort um and sometimes this is the first time that person's even heard of a you know, business, business analyst, analyst. yeah they're, so the, the the they're going to interview people having no clue about what you know mm. what this role is um so that's why we put together this this capability matrix to actually make those resourcing decisions as effective and, uh, and uh, yeah. you know as as sound as they possibly can be so really th 
documenting those role profiles, about putting the right competencies in place and thinking through, well, what are those competency-based interviews that we should be asking and providing that level of support Mm. around building the right team. Because frankly, you you could have a plan that's a bit off and you could have a not great business case, but put the right team on it with the right executive sponsorship. And, you know, frankly, you can fill in a lot of those gaps as as you go. Yeah, ever solid business case um, without, and then you you launch a program and you don't equip yourself with the right skills and capabilities around you, it's going to be a struggle. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, totally, totally agree. And um, it is interesting that you, you have to... And you have to plan out your resources um, at the outset of the program. Um, you know, there's an awful lot of organisations out there that would love uh, the fact they love the fact that organisations are struggling for resource. Mm. You, know, you know, I need somebody to start tomorrow. Um, they're, they're, you know, in in a recruitment world, let alone a contracting world, in a recruitment world, there's so so much that can go wrong with you with desperation, right? So. Plan your resources up front. Look at our capability matrix, review that, see what skill sets I need at what phase of the program um, and have a recruitment plan, a resourcing plan that's going to give you the right skills at the right time in your project. Yes. Um, yeah. and, uh, and there's an awful lot of, uh, of, of businesses out there who will be pushing an awful lot of you know, resources at you that can just about spell the word the word of the technology that, uh, that you're about to implement, whether it's Oracle, Success Factors, SAP, or whatever, um, Workday, etc. Um, if, if they've got that that word in their yeah. in their CV somewhere on LinkedIn, that that candidate will that individual will be pushed potentially to you as a, a potential resource. Um, and if you have not thought about the skills. That, that are needed and where does that individual fit in my overall program structure and what's their real purpose? Um, you can be misusing um, program budget in resources that are suboptimal to what actually you need at that time. So yes. it's, uh, that's, you know, structuring your program from day one is, is, is key. The other thing that's definitely worth mentioning is it's really important to take proper references Yes. Um, you know, there's so much money that has flooded mm. into cloud ERP, cloud mm. HCM over the past few years, and, and especially on the ERP side, it is just skyrocketing at the moment. Mm. There are a, an awful lot of program mm. project people out there that um, we know mm. have um, a string of failed programs, mm. failed projects behind them, and they they do consistently keep securing work. future work. Mm. Uh, and it can only be because people aren't taking references. Mm. So if somebody provides you with a reference, be really clear about what that person's role on the program mm. actually was. Um, a lot of the time they might be somebody that reported into the person mm. that's giving you the reference rather than the program sponsor or mm. the program lead. You know, they're the only kind of people you want to be talking yeah. to if you're, if you're talking, you know, uh, to, to uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, somebody senior within the permanent staff of, of that client. They're, mm. they're the sort of people you mm. want to talk to. And um, um, the don't just take the last one. Yes. Because what's interesting, um, every organisation that goes live, there's a honeymoon period where everything is actually oh we've we've turned we've turned something on yes 
and the sky hasn't fallen, the world hasn't imploded, so we're, we're, we're in a good shape. Yeah. If you bringing in somebody from from to, to work on your project that's literally just left another program that's recently gone live, the likelihood is that they've not they won't have come across they won't have come across any issues um, that 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 have been stacked up whilst that program's been developed yes. or implemented yeah. until month three or four. Yeah. So I would encourage those taking up references to go and speak to individuals that have been live for a period of time to understand okay, what lessons have you learned, what what could have been done differently by that particular individual that you're talking to. Yeah. Um on on that program at a time knowing what you know now what would you have done differently yes um, yeah. so you know if if this sounds like a lot of hard work to hire a relatively small number of people to work on a temporary basis within your organization um you know really you know stop and think about it mm. you know these are the people that have your future career prospects in their hands really spend the time uh invest in in really getting to grips with what all these roles are, what mm. they mean, um, what good looks like, you know, what what's what's a good program manager versus mm. a not good program manager and and you know, really spend the time uh, and and give your program team the time and the space required to get the best possible people onto your program mm. because you know, we we've seen it firsthand the the personal cost to executive sponsors of getting these these resourcing decisions wrong so uh it's just not a price that's worth paying so really spend the time and uh, and really focus on this as a very high priority as you get get up and running uh on on the build phase of your program so that's it for um yeah. our first of season 2 season 2 um, next week, we're going to be talking about um, building your technology support model. So yeah. on, a, on a similar theme, but very much specifically focusing on the technology side about the right team uh, that, that you need uh, to support your uh, newly implemented technology. Have a look on our website and uh, the insight section. That's uh, underscore hyphen group dot com. Very soon, there will be uh, the new build checklist um, that will contain all 10 points that we'll be talking about over this season. Thanks again for listening, and please do like and subscribe uh, wherever you usually find your podcasts.